Now, I know when you talk about faith, you get somebody off, off kilter. They're going to get, someone's going to be mad at me for sure. Um, there's no doubt about it. Because there's that many different interpretations and that many different things that people believe about faith out there. But I just want to share with you my journey, what the Lord's been teaching me, because I'm guessing that he'll be teaching you some of the same things. If you've got our app, you can follow along with the notes there. Um, If you have a Bible, I'd ask you to turn to Matthew 17. We're going to be all over the Bible this morning. Just just looking at what God says about faith, because it's such an important part of what we do. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of misinformation which leads to, to... potential destruction out there for many people can I say at the outset I believe that we serve a God of miracles do you believe that I believe that God does bring blessing into our life I believe he he brings healing I believe he brings restoration I believe he brings all of these things so as I look at faith and as I share my faith journey with you don't think that I don't have it Because I have faith, you know, God's been doing some amazing things. In fact, people come into this building and say, wow, you must be a pastor of faith to to see all of this blessing around. But I don't feel like I am. I feel like I I have only a small amount of faith. But what I'm discovering is that a small amount of faith in an omnipotent God is what it takes. In Matthew 17, the disciples failed to cast a demon out out of a boy. And I don't know if you've ever believed God for something and failed, but I certainly have. So I can relate to this. And they go to Jesus and they say, they say, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to him, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And God's been teaching me that, that even just a grain of faith in an omnipotent God is what moves mountains. And a little bit of faith, a tiny bit of faith in an incredible God is worth far more than a whole heap of faith in an idol. You know, at at the end of the day, it's not how much faith I can muster. It's it's the one whom my faith is invested in. That's where the power is. That being said, I still need to learn how how to attain that, don't I? Because, because I have to have faith in, in my God that he, will, that he will come through for me. Spurgeon said this, and I love this. He said, little faith will take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. And, and so I, I heard that, and I looked, and I thought, I want to be someone of great faith. And people say, oh, you must have great faith. I, I don't feel like I do, but I just feel like I've got a little bit of faith in a great God. And that is really working for me. Because the great passage on faith is Hebrews chapter 11. So if if you can flip over to Hebrews chapter 11, it's the the list of all the great heroes of faith. And it starts off with this. The the, the type of faith I'm talking about, I'm calling now faith, because that's how this verse starts. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old receive their commendation. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we open faith... Lord, that you will speak to our hearts, that you will build our faith, that we will continue to believe you for great things and believe you for even greater things because you are a God who loves your children. Lord, we just proclaim that you are the Lord of all the earth and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So faith is not something you drum up yourself. It's it's not something you psych yourself into. It's far deeper than that. And here's three qualities of faith from those verses. First of all, it's confidence. Now the word uh, that is the substance of or the assurance of is 
or the confidence of, is the word in Greek, hypostasis. Now, it's a compound word, which is two words, which is hypo, which means under, and stasis, which means to stand. So what it is saying here is, when it says it's the assurance of things hoped for, it's the hypostasis of that. It's the undergirding. It's what you can stand on. It's what you can... When, when the Bible says to take your stand, that's what it means. You can take your stand by faith. Because it is the undergirding of everything that we have. Faith to the Christian is, the, as, is as, as the foundation is to a house. It's confidence and assurance that you will stand. <coughs> and it's like I was thinking, it's a bit like standing under a roof when it's raining. Not that we know anything about rain on the Sunshine Coast. Um, but you know when it's raining and you're standing under the roof, you're not worried about if the roof is going to fall in. You're, you're, you're protected because you're under that roof. Romans 5 verse 2 says, Through him we also have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand. So I love that we can stand, our under, what we can stand on is this great faith. We stand under the grace of God by faith which undergirds us, it holds us up and we can totally trust a God who loves and cares for us. The second word is conviction. Now conviction of things not seen, conviction in the Greek is the word elikos, which means proof or evidence. And this, is, this inward conviction from God is, is the absolute certainty that he will do what he's promised because he has proven it, because there is evidence to support that. Hebrews 10 verse 23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. So when we're talking about faith... And that word faithful there is the, the Greek word pistos, which is the same as now faith is. It's the same word in Greek. And this is faith is not something we have to try and manufacture or something we have to try and manipulate. It's just you, you've seen the evidence and you just know. There's a conviction there that you just know. One of my favourite verses. Now, as you get older, your favourite verses change sometimes. And I have to confess to you, I'm getting older, as are all of you. Um, I... I I look in the mirror sometimes and I think, who is that sort of wrinkly guy looking back at me, you know? And, and I maintain, I maintain, I cannot believe that someone as young as me has kids as old as me. But there you go, you know? So as you get older, I love Psalm 37 verse 25. Listen to this. I love this. Because as I get older, I love this verse even more. Listen to this. I, was, I have been young, but now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. I was once young, full of hope, full of promise. But now I'm old, full of experience, full of wrinkles. But I've never seen God let me down. That's conviction. And this is well illustrated here at Ignite and in Lily House over the last year. You know, we believe that God will provide a home for us here in Nambal. We were out of Wombai. And importantly, we didn't just make this stuff up. We didn't just come in and say, oh, I want to be in Nambour. We had a word from the Lord that's saying, uh, telling us that we were coming here. And we thought initially it was the Clark Centre over on Howard Street. And we went, we pursued that. And that fell through. And we, we, we had to accept that and continue to believe because we had a word from the Lord. We could stand on the word of the Lord. And it proven his self-faithful so often. We didn't dictate to God. But we felt that he was moving us here to downtown Nambour to a better place. And that's where we're finished up here. And then the, the miracles have been flowing. We negotiated a price. If you don't know the story, we negotiated a price on this property, which was incredibly way below market value. 
And then to, to get here, we had to sell the old property up at Wombai and a man we've never heard of, we don't know, I don't even, I'm not even sure he's a Christian or anything like that. He came and wrote a check for $700,000 to allow Lily House to buy that and us to move here. There have been tens of thousands of dollars given. And now we're seeing people seeing miracles in their life. People are seeing, and, and many of you can attest to this. You know, you, you needed a place to stay. It is impossible to get somewhere in this rental market, but God does it because we prayed and we believed for it. You see, and when you see these things happening, past, past events where God's come through, that provides evidence so that as we move forward, we, we, we just know there's a conviction because he's done it before. When a big bill comes in, I'm not worried because he's done it before. Why should I suddenly worry now when he's already done it, you know, a dozen times before and already there's evidence there and that's the conviction that you can stand on. The presence of this God-given faith in one's heart is a conviction based on evidence, what we've already seen. When the people of Israel were going into Israel to take, his, to take uh, the, the promised land, Joshua and Moses were there with them. What did they talk about? Talk about? You look at the end of Deuteronomy, the start of, of Joshua. What are they talking about? What are they saying to the people? They say to them, do you remember how God parted the Red Sea? Do you remember how God did this? How you walked for 40 years without your shoes wearing out? Manna, da-da-da-da. Because why, why would they keep going back through history? Because that's evidence of God blessing them. And so going and taking land is easy next to that stuff. That's how God builds our faith. The third thing is commendation. By this, people were commended, the verse says. It says, receive their commendation. Now, the word commendation is the word uh, martrio in the Greek, from which we get martyr in English, which simply means a witness. And the same word occurs right throughout uh, that, that chapter there. And on into chapter 12. Hebrews 12, chapter 12, verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses which is all the heroes of faith. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race set before us. You see, these heroes, these men and women of old listed in Hebrews 11, they are our witnesses. They're commending us right now for the faith that we have. And God is commending us as well. They've seen God move in their day. And so they're, 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 they're commending us, they're, they're witnesses, the Bible says, looking at us saying, hey, come on, God, let's do it again. They're cheering us on. You, you might think no one likes you. You've got a cheer squad. How good is that? Faith commended by God and by those who live before us. Now, before I go on, I just briefly want to touch on some of the... <clears throat> excesses I think and, and things that I don't believe there is about faith. Now you may disagree with me, that's okay. Please disagree agreeably. We're, we're, we're in unity. Unity, we don't all believe the same thing. We just learn to disagree agreeably. But I think if you pull it all back, we actually really believe the same things. But there are some untruths out there which are propagated about faith, which seem logical. But the issue is, if you follow some of this stuff and it doesn't work out, your world falls apart. So that can be very, very destructive. Many people I talk to have said, and, and I quote, you've probably heard this, tried Christianity doesn't work. Have you heard that? We know Christianity works, right? So what's the problem? They tried something by faith. They prayed for something. It didn't work out the way they planned. And so they get mad at God and they walk away from God. And this happens all the time. 
So I think we need to know what God is actually saying about these things. So let me deal with some common misconceptions. <clears throat> Number one, now faith is not selfish. See, true faith is never about giving you what you want. It's actually not about you. We want a nice, comfortable life. That's not God's agenda. The symbol for Christianity is a cross, not a cushion. God's not here to give you a nice life. He has an agenda far higher than that. The presence of difficulty in your life doesn't indicate that God's not with you. Sometimes it indicates that you're over the target. You know, you're right on, right on target when you get opposition and difficulty in your life. It also doesn't indicate that you have no faith. Some of the most faithful people I've ever met have gone through incredibly bad experiences, but they've come through still looking to God, still with faith in God. So if something bad happens or doesn't work out, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. God's agenda is not to give you fun, money, fame, success or comfort. It's to win this world to Jesus Christ. That's oh, a shock, isn't it? God doesn't, God, God doesn't want to give me everything I want? Wow. But it's true. However, if you seek him, you get lots of the stuff you want anyway. Right? But that's not his agenda. His agenda is not just to give you a comfortable life. And I cringe sometimes when I hear some TV preachers telling people if, if they give a substantial gift to their ministry, that God's going to give them something, whatever, back in return. I heard one guy say, if you give me $1,000, I'm going to, the first 10 people that give me $1,000, I'm going to pray that God will, will sorry, $10,000 each, I'm going to pray that God will give you, you know, $100,000 back. And that's just, it's not true, folks. That's, that's manipulation. It's not true. James 4 verse 2 to 3 says this. Now listen to this. This is important. When we ask God for stuff in prayer, by faith, listen to what it says. James says this. You do not have because you do not ask. So you need to ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. If you ask for your own selfish motives, that's not good enough. Because God's agenda is not just to give you everything that you want. Now, I can attest God blesses me in thousands of ways I simply do not deserve just because I trust in him. But he doesn't do it because of my selfish motives or drummed up faith. He does it because he loves to bless his children. That's why he does it. You know, if your kids are there and you love them, you want to give them lots of good stuff, don't you? I do. I want to bless them. Even if they're naughty, I still want to bless them. But it doesn't mean that I give them everything they ask for. Otherwise, my, my girls would have survived on ice cream. You know, you don't just give them what they... You, because you, you have a higher understanding, you know, and the, and the kids are there going, Dad, why are you torturing us with peas? I'm not torturing you. They're actually better for you than chocolate. But I like chocolate. I understand that. But, you know, it's better. And so as a father, you know, I don't give my child everything they want, but I give them every blessing I can. Does that make sense? The second thing. Now, this is a curly one, and I want you to stick with me as we go through it. Now, faith is not just speaking it out. Now, I was told that my tongue has power. Do you believe that? And uh, Proverbs 18.21 says, life and death are in the tongue. The tongue has the power of life and death. And I was told, well, then you can name whatever you want. And if you name it enough, 
then you'll get it. Um, some people call it the, the name it and claim it, the blab it and grab it, if you will. Right? And some people say, say, whatever you want, you just keep speaking it out and eventually it will happen. Now, interestingly, this is exactly, exactly what the secret is. If you heard the secret, it's, it's like Oprah Winfrey was promoting. It's this great self-help thing. This is what it's about. You just keep speaking it out into the universe and it's going to happen. Right? Motivational speakers say that. And then some Christians come in and they say, well, the Bible says that you can call anything that's not as though it is, and so if you just keep speaking it out, your words have power, and you're going to get it. And the verse they, they use to reference that is Romans, 14 verse, uh, sorry, Romans 4, verse 17, written about Abraham. Now, listen to what it says. You've got to listen closely this morning. I know you can't, you can't fall asleep in church. You can't. You know, for once in your life, you can't fall asleep in church. Romans 14, 17, about Abraham, it says this. I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Okay? Who is calling things into existence that do not exist? Who? What does that passage say? Is it Abraham? No. It says, the God in whom he believed. You see, God spoke and the world sprang into being. His, his words are the ones that have incredible creative power in the same way the devil's words are the ones that have destructive power. And our tongue can align with anything, including either of those. So, can you speak things into being? Yes, but only if your words align with God's. Because it's not your power, it's his. And when God gives you a promise, you can stand on that and hang on, hang on to that for all you're worth. And I want to encourage you to speak. But only if your words line up with God. You can't just make stuff up and speak it into being. You have to align with the one who provides you with the power. Matthew 17. Verse 20, Jesus said this, If you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Then two chapters later in Matthew 19, 26 says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Right? So it's, it's not you. It's as your words align with him that you can speak into being. So if you're saying something that is not aligned with scripture, you can't speak that into being. It just won't happen. Because God and his word is where the power is. Does that make sense? That's a bit of a curly one to try and, and figure out. Uh, another thing faith is not, is not telling God, it's trusting God. I don't believe real faith is wanting to manipulate God into doing your bidding. Now the way I read my Bible, and this verse has been mentioned already this morning in Matthew, oh, sorry, Mark 14, Jesus said, Jesus facing the worst moment in his life, as Deb shared with us, he said these words, Abba, Father, all things, all things are possible for you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The key point that I've learned about faith is, you know, if you make stuff up and believe for it, you are destined to fail. But if you genuinely discover God's will and believe for it, you cannot fail. And this is, this is the thing, it's not about what I want. I, you know, we, as human beings, we love to manipulate. Have you noticed that? Don't look at your husband or wife as you say this. Do not. 
dangerous. That is dangerous, right? We love to manipulate. We love to say, well, I remember as a kid and saying, Lord, if you let my football team win this important match, then I will totally go to Africa as a missionary for you, you know? As a kid, I said that. You know, and, and we try and manipulate, we, don't we? If you go to a marketplace, in, in Asia in particular, you walk in there and you say, how much is this? And they'll say, well, that's, that's you know, $20. What do you say? You don't say, $20? That's a bargain, I'll give you 50 what do you say? I wouldn't give you $10 for that. Oh, no, I couldn't go any lower than 15 I wouldn't give you 12 Well, maybe 14 maybe, you know. And we bargain all the time, don't we? We bargain with houses. We bargain with, with uh, you know, all sorts of things, you know. Anything that goes, we bargain all the time, but you can't bargain with God. You can't manipulate God into getting what you want. The trick to this is seeking God and letting your will align with him. The fourth thing is faith is not earned. You cannot do a course, watch a sermon, check off a bunch of good deeds to earn faith. Now, I actually heard, I actually heard a preacher, uh, well, it was written that he said this, but this just shocks me. This is what was said by a particular preacher. Every time you do something good, God gives you a receipt. And when you want something back from God, just present these receipts and God has to do what you want. I'm serious. This stuff's out there. And that is not true. That is not true. You can't bargain with God or make deals with God. Faith is not bargaining. Blessing comes when you trust God with your whole life because he loves you. Blessing will flow. But not because you've earned it. Not because, I mean, James 1.17, every good gift and and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, just like salvation Salvation's a gift. So is our whole life. Our whole life is a gift. Where you live, the car you drive, the family you have, it's a gift. The blessing in your life, the fact that, that you have health or a degree of health, it's a gift. We should be thankful. The greatest sin of the Western world is, is an ungrateful spirit. Because we are so unthankful for the many blessings that we have around us here. So unthankful for it. We really are. Because they are all gifts. We didn't earn any of them. They are just blessings from the Lord. Do you hear my heart here? Even salvation. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. Not by works that no one may boast. So let me. there are a few of the things floating around out there that I found about faith that really jarred in my spirit. Because I don't feel that that's what my faith experience is. And again, you might be different, but this is my faith experience. But the characteristics of now faith. Over the last year, I've discovered lots of characteristics about faith. The first one is that faith pleases God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. See, my faith, even tiny faith, pleases God, doesn't it? This is why we need... We should want to have more faith because it pleases God more. If you love God, don't you want to make him happy? I would love for the Lord to look at me and say, man, I'm happy with that guy. 
I would love to bring joy to my father's heart, wouldn't you? Well, see, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So with faith, you please God. And the more I believe, the more he blesses, not because I'm manipulating him, but because he just loves it and I'm pleasing him. And that verse says, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'm not, I'm not coming to God in faith for what I can get from him. I'm coming just trusting him and to please him. And then all this other stuff comes my way as well. We need to seek the face of God before we seek his hand. So much of what is preached in churches right around the world is about seeking the hand of God. But if you seek his face, you get his hand. Faith is also proportional to knowing God. Philippians 3 verse 10 says, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. In Hebrews we read uh, chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart and a full assurance of faith. And it says at the end, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. See, holding fast without wavering is faith. The more you know God, the more you read his word, the more you abide with him, the greater your faith no matter the circumstances. Now, I don't know if I have great faith. I, I just know God so well that I can't possibly believe that he'll let me down. Maybe that's great faith. I just, I just, the more you know God, the more you just trust him. Isn't that true? If, if you're walking down the street and a guy comes up to you and says, hey, mate, could you give us 50 bucks? Most of you would say no. But if your husband or wife comes to you and said, could you please give me $50? Most of you would say yes. Why? Because you know that person. You don't know the other guy. But you know, the more you know someone, the greater the connection and the more blessing flow because you know them. And I just know God so well that I can't believe that he would let me down. When I pray, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to muster anything. I just, I, I was once young, now I'm old, but I've never seen God let me down. It hasn't always been the way I chose, but he's never let me down. Here's a good example. I mentioned before that we wanted to go to the Clark Centre. Now, we went into the Clark Centre. We looked at it. We, had a, we thought, this is a great place. This would be a great place to be. You know, it's a little sort of people drive past. No one walks there. But, but you know, this is a great place to be. And the negotiation fell through because the guy over there wanted way too much money for it. And we just went, no, that's, it didn't value up for us. And so we were sad. Those of you who are here would remember, we were sad. We thought, well, God wants us to move to Nambour. There's the perfect place we went in there. Didn't happen. And you feel, you feel let down. But has God let me down? No. Why? Because God had a better plan. Right? And this is where faith comes in. Faith that even if what you want doesn't work out the way you want, God's got a better plan. And it turns out that when we saw this property, this property was, was just over half the price of that one with four times the income. And, and it's bigger and it's central. Like, this is the best property that we could have had. Looking back on it, had we got that one, it would have been second best. But we didn't know that at the time. We were praying and we were believing and by faith we were standing and we were proclaiming and we, we felt like God wanted us to come to Nambour and we felt like that was the place and it wasn't. But God had a better way. Abraham famously had this sort of faith as well. Romans 4 verse 20 
says there's no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God. Listen to this. Being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And that's that conviction, being fully convinced. Abraham just knew God so well he couldn't imagine a situation where God would let him down. That's faith. The third thing is faith is for what God wants, not what you want. We've touched on this before. God's agenda is not yours. You can't manipulate God into getting you what you want. And sometimes by his grace, he'll give you what you want. And that's wonderful. But that's not his agenda. Ephesians 5, verse 6, uh, 16 to 17 says, Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Where do we get off thinking we can order the God of all creation around to do our bidding? Seriously, is that not embarrassingly bad? You know, that we think that we can, we can... And if you look at the occult, it's all about trying to manipulate evil powers to get what you want. It's very selfish. But God, we saw this with the Clark Center. God had a better way. Isaiah 55, verses 8 to 9. God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He knows more than we do. Can we trust him even if his decision doesn't line up with our decision because he knows more? Can we trust him? That is faith. If you believe for something and you get it, it doesn't take any faith anymore. But if you believe for something and it hasn't come through yet, you need faith. But if you find God's will, you'll find it. God is Lord of all. He's not your personal Santa Claus. He is Lord of all. And his will is what's important, even if we don't agree or understand. And the closer you are to God, the more you will know his will. There's a verse in Job I found interesting. Job 22. Submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in his heart. Here's the thing. If your will aligns with God, prosperity comes. And that's not just money. It's prosperity in health and in relationships and in every place. It's right through your life. If I tell God what I want and expect him to do my bidding, even if what I want is good, that's not submitting to him. You can say, Lord, you can pray for things and say, Lord, please do this, please do that. But ultimately, you need to submit to his will. Is that true? And the verse that I love about this is if you look in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about your clothes and your stuff and don't worry about all that sort of stuff. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things are given to you as well. And you see, faith for me is about a relationship with God. It's not about something internal to me. It's about me just trusting him and building that relationship. 1 John 3 verse 24, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. So the bottom line is this, the more you know God, the more your will aligns to his. It's like when we say speak into being. If you speak something into being that aligns with God, there is power in that. Because it's not my will, but his be done. If you decide God should do something, God's grace may or may not, not allow it to happen. But if God definitely tells you he's going to do something, you can take that to the bank. And I know when I, when I first uh, came into this church, the church had not much money and a huge debt uh, that we had a limited time to get. And I remember saying to God, I cannot believe that you would make me step up and be the pastor of this church and then let me down. P 
pull the rug out. And I said to God, I said, I said, if that's what it's about, I'm out. I don't want this. But you led me here, God. And I trust you because I cannot believe that you would ever let me down. And God provided a quarter of a million dollars from 50 people in nine months. And I can't explain how that came in. I still can't. But that's God. You see, because... But I went to him and I said, God... I don't even have the faith to this, but I cannot believe that you will let me down. I just, there's no room for that. Because God had called me there. And then the fourth thing about faith is that faith grows. Your faith is not static. You can lose it, but if you walk in obedience, you can also grow it. The deeper you know him, the greater your faith. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, knowing God intimately, knowing his word, coming to church, abiding in him every day, that's how you grow genuine faith. It really is. You just keep pressing in and you just keep seeking God again and again. If you want great faith, but you can't be bothered reading his word or turning up to church or doing anything like that, but you want great faith, you will be disappointed. Because faith is proportional to how well you know him. And when you know him, you will know great faith. Faith is grown by seeing God's miracles, by remembering his great deeds, and knowing him intimately. Because his past blessings assure us, give us the conviction, that word again, of, his, of the faithfulness of the one in whom we are confidently believing. And faith is built when we are together. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not sort of trying to get you to come to church or something, but I'm telling you this, when we get together, we are stronger. And our faith is stronger when we work together. If you join your faith with other believers, it will build your faith. As iron sharpens iron, so faith builds in each one another. Uh, Romans 1 verse 12 says this, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. By each other's faith. You see, when we come together and we start to share and we start to talk and we start to talk about the miracles of God, that builds everybody's faith up. I believe the greatest attack on believers today is isolation. You know, if you look at the media, what are they telling you to do? Isolate all the time. Stay away from people. Don't interact. Even if they're in the same room, stay, you know... What was it, two camel lengths apart or whatever it was, you know? That's what they're saying. They, 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 don't want you, they don't want community anymore. Because the devil can pick off those who are isolated. And even Christians are doing, I don't need to go to church. I can watch YouTube every morning and, or tune into Ignite. God bless you. I know you, most of you guys are linked in with us. I'm not, not saying anything like that. But, but the, the isolation is the big, it's the big push out there at the moment. But I'm telling you, I'm pushing the other direction. I think we need community to grow our faith. Because as we join, as we share together, we grow our faith together. In Hebrews 6 verse 10, it talks about the shield of faith. And when the Romans used their shields, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, they don't use them individually, they link them together. So together we are stronger. And I know some of you here... When my faith has been weak, you've said, I've met with you, spoken with you, had a coffee with you, and you've spoken, and your faith has built my faith up because that's how we're better together. So as we join our faith together, we build each other up, and that's what's happening here. We're not playing church here at Ignite. We're not here just, just to give you a fun Sunday morning. We are here because we believe God wants to transform this nation, and we believe that we can be a part of that. In fact, I believe he's calling us to be a part of that, but we can't do it alone. We have to join together and stand together to do it. 
and have faith. Your faith might be struggling, but maybe my faith can build your faith up if your faith is struggling. You see how it works? We build one another up. So my question to you is, how's your faith now? Some of you are full of faith right now, and that's wonderful. Some of you are facing life's challenge, and your faith is struggling. If you feel like you're sinking, if you feel like you can't hold on, like, like your faith is falling away, then I've got some great news for you. Jesus is not there to zap you. He's not there to, to, to smash you because you don't have enough faith. He's there to do this. I saw this, I thought, this, isn't that beautiful? That's what he's there to do. Matthew 14, 31, Jesus immediately reached out his hand. Peter was in the water. He sunk into the waves. Reached out, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And that's God's heart. He's not there to smash you because you haven't got enough faith. He's there with his hand outstretched saying, come. Come, let's do it together. My faith is simple. The more I know God, the more I can't ever believe or even entertain the possibility of God letting me down. If something happens that I do not want, or if I pray for something and it doesn't happen, I still trust him because I just have this absolute surety in my heart that he knows best. 1 John 5, 4, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. See, our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And here's the thing, if you step out in faith, if you take a chance and believe God, if you step out in faith and you fall, he'll pick you up. He'll love you and forgive you. But if you never step out, you'll never fall, but you'll never grow. It's time for us to believe God for more, don't you think so? It's time to, for us to believe God for even greater things. If you have great faith and someone else doesn't, there's a huge tendency in the world for people to say, well, the reason you don't get any God answering any of your prayers is that you have no faith. But let me turn that around. If you've got great faith and you see someone else who doesn't have great faith, why don't you say this? Hey, your faith is struggling. I've got great faith. Let me carry you. Let me help you so that together we are better. I can't survive by myself. And neither can you. We need to be together. If your faith is struggling, that's okay. Just don't stay there. There are people of faith in this church I know who will gladly, you know, give you a hand up, meet with you, share with you, build your faith. But what we're seeing here at Ignite is miracles happening again and again and again because our faith is collectively being, being built. And at the end of the day, if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and his face... We get his hand as well, and all these things are added to you as well. You see, faith is about knowing God and trusting him. And the more you know him, the more you trust him. So let me ask you a question as we wrap it up. What do you need right now? What are you believing for? Is there a great need that you have that you can bring to the Lord right now? Can you trust God even if things don't work out the way you want? Let me say that one again. Can you trust God even if things don't work out the way you want? Can you still trust God? Because that's what faith is. Can you trust God even when things aren't quite happening? Even when he takes a long time? I used to say to people, how does God start a running race? Ready, set, wait. And that wait can be really long. 
But can you still trust God if what you are praying for is delayed? Can you still trust God if you pray for it and it hasn't happened yet? You see, that's what faith is. Faith is believing God despite the circumstances, not because of them. Josh always knocks me for this, but I quote my friend Bill Newman. You say to people, how are you doing under the circumstances? They say, not bad. You say, well, what are you doing under there? Under the circumstances. You should be above the circumstances, and you can only do that by faith. I believe that God has a great destiny for all of us, but I also believe along the way there will be needs. There will be, as, as Deb said, there will be times when your cup is not full. There'll be times when, when you're, you're crying out to God and, and, and you just don't seem to have enough faith. And you know what? That's when church gets beside you and under you and behind you and we do it together because we believe in the same God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head and I'm going to ask you to pray because there are needs here. And I am believing that over this next few minutes that God is going to not only build our faith my faith and your faith, but that we are going to see miracles happen. We've seen so many miracles happen, so many. But I'm going to pray and I'm going to believe that there are going to be more miracles. Why should they stop? We've seen God do it in the past. Is it a physical need? Is it a healing? Is it a financial need? Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need a new place to live. Maybe you need a child who's walked away from God to come back to God. But I want you to think right now, what is one thing that you are believing God for by faith? Just picture it in your mind. Just picture it. And say these words, Lord, by faith, I believe that you will answer this prayer. By faith, I will seek you. I will honor you. I will obey you. And by faith, I will trust you to bring to pass what you have promised. If that is you, if you have a big need in your life right now, I'm just going to ask you to stand wherever you are. Don't be embarrassed. Many of us, most of us have big needs. Look, there's a lot of us. There are big needs here. And God is faithful. God is going to bring healing and restoration. God is going to set you free. God is going to bring blessing. But you need to seek first the kingdom of God and just trust him to sort the rest out. Seek first his kingdom. Keep bringing your needs, but seek him. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. He can restore. He can heal. And he will if we just trust him. Lord, you see these needs before you. We want to pray and we want to trust you. Lord, hear our cry. We look to you and we seek you. We seek you. 
We're just going to sing a song. I'm going to invite, if you're standing, just come to the front. There's a whole bunch of you. Don't worry about it. Come, come to the front. Come to the front. Come right up to the front. There's a lot. Right up to the front. Because I believe God's going to, God's going to break something in the spirit here. Come on. Just, just squeeze out to the side, right around the side here. Come on. There's a lot of us here. Keep coming. Look at this, Lord, all this need. Come on, God, we trust you. You can do it. We seek you, Lord. You can do this. You can make this happen. Just as we sing, just just worship the Lord. Just seek him right now. And we're going to believe for breakthrough in the Spirit.